Yeah, just wanted to say g'day, and uh, I've preached at your church a few times now over the years, and uh, my wife and kids couldn't be here today. They're at Caloundra. We're on holidays at the moment. They, they couldn't uh, drag themselves out of bed to, to be here today, but uh, they are praying for me and interceding for me in deep sleep this morning. Uh, and uh, just wanted to show a quick video on the screen of our soup kitchen that we run. So uh, our church is in Kelvin Grove, uh, right near the uh, inner city of Brisbane. And uh, you'll see, we'll just roll this video in the background. We haven't got any audio for it, but you can see that's our team there on Friday morning. We get together about 9 a.m. and we all pray. There's about 30 volunteers. Uh, we get food donated from Oz Harvest and uh, we uh, serve up some soup. And then we uh, head out around the shelters. And uh, we have a soup kitchen first at uh, 10.45. Then we go out to the shelters. You see some pictures here. We go to 28 different homeless shelters around the inner city of Brisbane. And uh, we take out over 300 meals every Friday. Uh, we share the gospel with people. We pray for people. And since COVID hit, we've seen over 1,000 people make a decision for Christ. Praise God. Give God all the glory for that. And uh, so that's our team that goes out every week. We pray for people. We see miracles. It's, it's an incredible season. And part of my job as the senior pastor is to follow up all those new believers because it's great for them to pray a prayer and to come to know Jesus. But who, who, what about making disciples? Amen. So we now, as it, there's some of my mates here. So what we do is we send out uh, teams into the homeless shelters to do Bible studies. So we have eight Bible studies every week now where we uh, serve up uh, Domino's Pizza. And we say, who wants to come for pizza and Bible study? And they all come for the pizza and half of them leave for the Bible study. But half of them stay for the Bible study. And uh, we um, make sure that we go through you know, the Gospel of John with every one of them. And we try and teach them all the basics. That's one of the guys there, a good Broncos supporter, uh, who came to Christ a couple of years ago, got baptised. This young couple here were both on uh, methadone, uh, smoking, drinking, all sorts of stuff. They came to Christ, got set free, and she's now one of our worship leaders in our church. And uh, yeah, praise God. And he's one of the guys that helps in the soup kitchen. Uh, he looks like Jesus, doesn't he? He's got the beard and the hair. Uh, and uh, these guys help out. And that's our, that's our goal. Not just to see them saved and then hang on to Jesus by the skin of their teeth. We want to see them saved, healed, and delivered. We want to see them restored. And then we don't just want to give a hand out. We want to give a hand up. We want to see people completely transformed. And uh, so that's part of our vision. And I believe now that God's placed you in the center of Nambour, uh, I've heard that there's a lot of people on the streets around this area, a lot of other ministries doing great work. But I believe wherever God places you, he has a reason for it. And so I want to pray a special blessing over this church because eight years ago I had this crazy Italian evangelist named Oscar. Uh, he, he came up to me and he said, Matt, we need to start a soup kitchen. And I said, oh, no, no, we're too busy. I've got too much on my plate. I do radio ministry. I do this. I do that. You know, I got too, and I said, no, we're too busy. And he goes, oh, just pray about it. God might want you to do it. And I said, okay. So we prayed about it and God very clearly said to start this soup kitchen start ministering to the homeless god spoke to me and said if new hope was taken out of kelvin grove who would notice and i thought well everyone on a sunday would but i don't know if anyone in the community would and he showed me the parable of the king's banquet you know the story where they invited all the rich and the wealthy and none of them came and so jesus sent said, said to the well the master said to the servants go out to the highways and the byways and go to the lame, the crippled, the poor, 
and compel them to come. It doesn't say invite them. Compel them to come. And so out of that, eight years ago, we started our soup kitchen. We started visiting homeless shelters and we would compel people to come. We'd, we'd turn up and say, who wants to come for a free feed? And they go, what's on the menu? It's like, haven't you the same beggars can't be choosers? Anyway, <laughs> anyway, we would go into the homeless shelters and we'd invite them to come. We've now got a 12-seater minibus. We've got a bunch of people with cars. We've got 28 shelters around the inner city of Brisbane. And uh, that's our harvest field. You know, praise God. And, you know, I love being on the radio. I'm on Vision Radio. You can listen to it up here, 88 FM or 87.6. There's an app you can download. I love doing that. I love reaching Aussie, Aussies with the gospel. I think that's important. I love being a pastor. But, you know, my favorite day is Fridays, going into those homeless shelters. And a uh, quick story on that. I'm going to pray in just a moment. But a quick story on that. Uh, a few years ago, I did a wedding for a couple from one of the homeless shelters. And they invited everyone from the streets to come at the church. And it was just wild. It was just crazy, you know. And um, a lot of non-Christians there did an altar call. A bunch of them got saved. It was an awesome service. And anyway, they said, can you come down to Fortitude Valley to the reception for the lunch? And I went, oh, yeah, okay, sure, you know. And, and uh, this was one of the roughest pubs in Fortitude Valley in one of the roughest areas. And it was like a Saturday lunchtime. And there were people all over the place getting all sorts of trouble. And they asked me to say grace. So there was about 20 of us in the pub there for the lunch. So I stood up, prayed a blessing over the meal. And then as soon as I finished praying, there was this lady standing next to me. And I said, oh, hi, is everything okay? And she goes, Father, can I confess my sins, please? So I said, yes, daughter, you may. <laughs> Went in Rome, you know, I didn't know what to do. But anyway, so... She just thought that's what you do when there's a pastor you confess. So she started confessing all her sins to me. This lady, she'd been a prostitute, she'd been on drugs, she'd been in this and that. And, all sorts of, you know. and, you know, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Confess your sins one to another so that you might be healed. Amen. Now, I believe that Jesus is our great high priest. You don't need to confess it to a priest. But nonetheless, I, I worked with it, you know. So I prayed I prayed with her and led her to Jesus in the pub. Glory to God. Then there was another lady behind her who did the same thing, went through the same thing. There were seven people lined up at that pub. And here I am all afternoon praying with people. I didn't even get to have lunch. I was like fasting, you know, immediately, you know. And all these people came to Christ in the pub. And I rang my wife and said, Honey, I know I'm meant to be at this family dinner tonight, but uh, I'm at the pub and there's all these people that want to talk to me and, you know, and explain the situation. She goes, Honey, you stay there because that's what Jesus would be doing. And for me, it's like a light came on that day. You know, we've got to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We've got to go into the highways and the byways to seek and save the lost. Every one of us. We can't just leave it up to Pastor Darren. And the pastors and the leaders, we can't just leave it up to the leaders. We're all called to do it, amen? We're all called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So I'm going to pray a, a prayer over this church as we open the word today. Because I believe that God's positioned you here to be salt and light in this community, amen? Father God, we just come before you today and I ask for a blessing on this beautiful church. On this new building. Lord, this new location. Lord, I pray for a blessing on all the business owners around. I pray for a blessing on the council. 
I pray for a blessing on all the homeless and those that are living on the streets around these areas. God, I pray that you'll use this church to be your hands and feet, to be like a city on a hill, the salt of the earth, the light of the world, Lord God. We pray that this church will shine with good deeds. Lord, that they will see many people come to Christ, many people healed, many people delivered, many people finding employment, marriages restored, Lord God, people set free from addictions, people delivered of evil spirits. We're just believing for miracles, Lord God. We thank you that this is a Spirit-filled church. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll fill us with your power today. And Lord, you'll anoint us to go into the highways and the byways, to compel people to come, to seek and save the lost. We're believing for revival in Nambour. Come and pour out your Spirit, God. And let it start here today. God, whatever you want to say, whatever you want to do, come and do it today. We welcome you in this place. Holy Spirit, just move as we open your word today, we ask in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Well, God bless you, church. You can open your Bibles if you have them. We're going to look at Matthew 6, verse 5 to 8. And uh, today's message is called The Secrets of the Secret Place. Now, I've just preached a six-week series on this Bible passage and uh, the, the, you know, the, the themes that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 6. And uh, I'm going to try and condense it down into a 30-minute sermon. Is that okay? <laughs> no, I'm just going to give you the highlights. I actually was praying this morning. I had another message in mind, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, get into Matthew chapter 6 today and challenge everyone to find, uh, find you know, the Word of God in, in the secret place. Let's have a look at what it says. Matthew 6, verse 5 to 8. We all know the famous Sermon of the, of the Mount. Jesus says, And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand, uh, to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Now, this is uh, you, whenever you look at a, a Bible verse, you've got to look at the context. Because if you take the text out of the context, all you're left with is a con. You know? Go look at the context. So Jesus is there with His disciples. This is His first big sermon. And He's teaching them about things like marriage. He's teaching them about forgiving He's teaching about blessing those who persecute you. He's teaching about all sorts of wonderful themes. And I, I remember at Bible college, the lecturer saying, if you ever get dry, if you ever find that your flame is flickering and you want to fall in love with Jesus, read Matthew 5, 6 and 7. Go back to the heart of the message of Jesus. Because wherever Jesus preached, he didn't just preach the gospel of salvation. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. And this is one of the key verses in the gospel of the kingdom, teaching us how to pray. I heard a great sermon on Vision Radio recently from Jeff Vines, one of my favorite US preachers. He preached on this text uh, just last week, and I thought, it's interesting. I, I had the, I've been preaching on it for weeks. And he said, there's two ways you can approach God. You can approach God like a boss, or you can approach God like a father. He said, like, maybe exam for, for example, if you wanted to go on holidays, and you go to your boss and you say, oh, boss, uh, 
I've been working really hard this year and I'm, I've been making sure I'm punctual, I'm getting my targets, I'm getting my goals. Can I please have some holidays? I've got this form for you to sign. Could you please, I'm begging you, I've been really good. Can you please reward me with, with some good um, holidays? Here's my holiday form. Is that okay? You know, you can approach God like that. Like he's distant. Like that Bette Midler song, God is watching us from a distance. You, know? you can approach him like he's a boss. And you can beg and you can plead and hope that he'll help you and give you your holidays. Or you can approach him like a son or a daughter would approach her father. You can say, hey, Dad, I want to go and have a break. Is that okay? And the father who loves you rewards you because you've met with him in an intimate relationship. My concern is a lot of Christians that approach God like a boss. And they have their list and their requests and they've got their, they want to prove to God, oh, I've, been, I've been doing all these good works. Please do this for me, God. Please, please, like, like you would an employee to a boss. But how are we meant to approach? Like the Father, our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. We've got to approach God in a prayer of intimacy. What does it say there? When you pray, go into your room, close your door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Everyone say reward. How many of you know God is a God that wants to reward us? He's a good, good Father who wants to give good gifts to His children. He has a plan and a purpose for every one of you. You can approach Him. The Bible says we can come boldly into the throne room through the blood of Jesus. Isn't that good news? When we pray, let's have an intimate relationship with our Father in heaven. You know, I love to get up early. 4.30 a.m., 5 a.m., whenever. The Lord wakes me up. I love to get up early and I have a Bible reading plan. I read through the Bible every year. I've been doing it for 15 years now. About three Old Testament chapters. Often there's a psalm in there and a New Testament chapter. And I read through it and I ask the Lord to speak to me. And then I really seek the Lord early in the morning. I pray for a blessing over my wife, my children. Pray for our church. I pray for the radio ministry. I pray for the homeless we work with. I, I seek the Lord. I petition the Lord. And then I just put on some worship. And I just wait in his presence. I just ask him to speak to me. You know, one of the problems I've had in my prayer life is that I've got so much to pray for and I'm rattling off a list of things so much and I never stop to wait and listen. Like imagine if I took my wife out for a date every Friday night and we went to McDonald's <laughs> and we ordered the same thing on the menu every Friday night and we talked about the same thing every single time. She'd get a bit bored of that, don't you reckon? <laughs> No, no, she's, my, my wife, she's, you know, she likes to go out to some flash places. We leave, you know, she likes me to put on all the bells and whistles. She likes me to get some flowers and, and dress up. And she likes to have, you know, lovely food. And she likes to have different dates uh, than just Maccas every Friday night. Some of us in our walk with God, we're, it's like we're going to Maccas with God all the time. But let's give God our best. Let's... Not just talk about the same old things. Let's listen to him. Let's pray the word. I, I love finding psalms and scriptures and praying his word. He loves it when I pray his word to him and ask him things in line with his word. Let's sing a new song to the Lord. Bob Sorge wrote a book called The Secrets of the Secret Place. And he said this, The wisest thing you'll ever do in this life is to draw close to God and seek him with all your heart. No one can mentor you 
into an abiding relationship with Christ. We all have to find our own way in abiding with Christ. When all is said and done, we must shut the door, get into the secret place with God, and discovering, discover what an abiding relationship with Christ will look like for ourselves. And, you know, I heard it once explained that it's a little bit like a, a silversmith. You know how they get a lump of silver and they put it over the, the fire and they hold it over the fire and they, they mold it until it's perfect and ready? You know how the silversmith can tell if the silver is ready? He can see his own reflection in it. That's what it's like when we get in the furnace, in the prayer furnace with God. We wait on him until people can see Jesus in us. That's the purpose of the secret place. That's the purpose of time in prayer, to be more like Jesus. One of my things I love to say is, you know, that you go through the Lord's Prayer, it's like a pattern. A-C-T-S. A, starts with adoration, where you worship God. C, confession. Confessing your sins one uh, to the Lord. Asking Him to help you turn from your sins, from your addictions, from your lusts of your flesh, from the, the mistakes you're making in life. Thanksgiving, just like... Uh, Pastor Darren said before, an ungrateful church is one of the greatest sins of the Western world. Boom, that's a great mic, that's a great line. That's a mic drop. That's a great line right there. Make sure you're thankful. Enter his gates with thanksgiving in your hearts. Enter his courts with praise. And then S is the supplication. Going into the Lord, petitioning him and asking for things. A lot of Christians, they only are good at the petitioning and the supplication. But what about the adoration? What about the confession? What about the thanksgiving? What about the supplication? Let's, let's make sure we have a balanced prayer life. When you go through the Lord's Prayer, that's a, that's a great pattern there. So I heard a great sermon recently from Jensen Franklin, one of my favorite preachers. I go for a run every day, a 3K run, and I put on a bit of preaching to get me fired up. And you know, I run better when I listen to preaching. <laughs> it gets me fired up. I listen to Jensen Franklin's podcast, and he preached a message the other day that just spoke to me and really convicted me and challenged me. And part of my heart here today you know as a pastor my vision is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable so I just want everyone squirm in your seats a little bit if you could just give me a little squirm yeah that's good that's that's my plan today I want to make you squirm a little bit pastor Jensen shared that you know in life there's three kinds of people he said there are quitters they're people that start something and they're all excited when they begin but then when the heat comes, when the problems come, when the struggles come, they quit and they bail. I know a lot of people, particularly a lot of younger generation, they quit their jobs, marriages, churches. They don't, they, they don't commit to things these days in, in, in the younger generation. We've got to be careful not to become quitters. The, the second type of people, and this is the one that really convicted me, was people that were campers. It's like, imagine if you're going up a mountain, you could easily quit because it's too hard. But if you decide to keep going, you don't quit and you make it halfway and then you camp there and you're like, oh yeah, this is all right. I'm going to set up a tent. Yeah, put, a, put on a fire, hot chocolate, just relax. Oh, I might have a little snooze here. Wake up in the morning, go, oh, what's the point of going up to the top of that mountain? I'm just going to camp here. There's a lot of Christians I know that are campers. God called them to the top of the mountain. God's called them to greatness. God's called them to do something amazing. But we can camp, we can cruise, we can coast. And the third type of person that I want to challenge us all to be today, and I'm preaching to myself as well, 
is to be a climber. Not to quit, not to camp, but to climb. You know, it says in Psalm 24, Who shall ascend my holy mountain? Who shall ascend my holy hill? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. You see, when we've got a pure heart before God, when we get into the secret place every day and we seek the Lord and we worship Him and we start the day out, we can every day climb to the top of the mountain that God's called us to go to. And I feel that today to challenge you, some of you, you've been quitters. You just thought, oh, yeah, I can't do it. I'm going to give up. Some of you, you've gone halfway and you're going all right. And then you're resting on your laurels and you're just camping there. And I'm preaching to myself here today. I feel like for me as a pastor after 15 years, we're doing okay. But I've felt like I've, in, I've been in camping mode for a while. And when I heard this sermon, I felt God tell me to write down my visions and my goals for the next couple of years and make sure that I'm ascending to the top of the mountain. He said, God's spoken to me about planting churches. We want to plant a church at Burpengary and at Waterford in Brisbane. And we've started doing a bit there, but I've just kind of put it on the altar and just let it sit there for, the, for a moment. But the Lord said, no, if you're going to get to the top of that mountain, you've got to be intentional about planting those churches, about reaching those communities for Christ. God's also spoken to me about traveling around Australia, a bit like Bill Newman and Darren have been doing, doing crusades and outreaches in communities and towns. And I've done that a little bit over the last couple of years, but I've just kind of let it sit on the altar and I've been camping with that a little bit. And the Lord says, the Lord's been saying to me, Matt, if you're going to get to the top of the mountain, you're going to have to step out of your comfort zone and keep climbing up to the top of the mountain. See, imagine if Moses going up Mount Sinai to get the law, imagine if he just camped halfway and didn't go to the top, and didn't get the Ten Commandments and didn't bring them down to lead the people of Israel. Imagine if Elijah didn't go up to the top of Mount Carmel to defeat the prophets of Baal. Imagine if he camped halfway and didn't achieve his mission. You see, those two great men of God, they went to the top of the mountain. My Bible says, come, let's go up to the top of the mountain and we'll seek his face. I want to ask you today, what's your summit? What's your mountain? What's God calling you to do? Are you quitting? Are you camping? Or are you climbing to reach the goal? You know, Habakkuk 2.2 says, Get the vision, write it plain on tablets so that those that read it might run with it to the top of the mountain. I'll add on there. <laughs> I want to challenge you, write down your goals, your dreams. I've written down, and my wife and I have prayed about church planning, about doing more traveling ministry. I've written down some of these goals that God's put in my heart and I'm praying about it every day. I'm saying, God, what do I have to do to get to that? Because I don't want to stand before God one day and Him say, well done, Matt, you, 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 you got halfway. I want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I want to make sure I've fulfilled my assignment. I've reached the summit. I don't want to quit. I don't want to camp. I want to climb to where God has called me to. In Isaiah, one of my favorite verses says, They that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll rise up on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. Even the youth grow tired and faint, but those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Amen. Does anybody here want to rise up? Does anybody here want to rise up? 
I believe that we need to have our eyes on the prize. Ask the Lord, what's my assignment? What's my calling? And let's, let's live a life worthy of the calling. Let's rise up on wings like eagles. You know, I, I love what Pastor Darren prayed before about our nation. There's so much division, so much worry, fear, stress. People, you know, freaking about all sorts of things, that freaking out about it, this and that. And you know what? I, I've got a friend in my church. Actually, our bus driver for our, our ministry, uh, James, is from, he's an Aussie guy. He spent the last 30 years in Malaysia with Malaysia Airlines as a pilot. And uh, he explained to me once that if they're going through turbulence, the best thing to do is just to rise up above it. And I believe that's what we need to do in our nation right now. Forget about all the turbulence. Turn off the TV. (laughs) Turn off the news. Turn off Facebook. Turn off all the stuff, all the negative stuff. Turn it all off. You can post a bit of God stuff on there if you want, you know, and use it for God's glory. You know, I do a little bit of that just quietly. But don't. Don't look at the world. Rise up and look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Rise up above the turbulence and go into the slipstream. We need to know who we are and whose we are. When we get a revelation that we are children of the Most High God, when we get into that secret place and we seek His face, we rise up above what's happening in the world. You see, a basketball in my hands is worth about $19. A basketball in Michael Jordan's hand is worth about $33 million. It depends whose hands it's in. A tennis racket is useless in my hands. But in Venus Williams' hands, it's like a Wimbledon championship. It depends whose hands it's in. A rod in my hands might keep away a wild animal. But a rod in the hands of Moses will part the mighty sea. It depends whose hands it's in. A slingshot in my hands is like a kid's toy. But a slingshot in David's hands is a mighty weapon to defeat Goliath. Amen. Two fish and five loaves of bread in my hands is a couple of fish burgers. Two fish and five loaves of bread in the hands of Jesus will feed thousands. It depends whose hands it's in. Nails in my hands might produce a birdhouse. Nails in Jesus' hands will produce salvation for the entire world. It depends whose hands it's in. As you see now, it depends whose hands it's in. So put all your concerns, all your worries, all your fears, all your hopes, all your dreams, all your families, all your relationships in God's hands. Because it depends whose hands it's in. I want to ask you today, are you walking hand in hand with Jesus? Have you cast all your burdens onto him? I met a guy the other day who was the happiest guy I've ever met. I said to him, what's your secret? He said, what I did is I put an ad in the paper, wanted someone to worry for me. I said, really? What happened? He said, this guy answered the ad. I said, that's fantastic. I said, what are you doing? He said, well, I meet with him every day and I tell him all my worries. Then I don't worry anymore. I said, that's fantastic. I said, what do you do? Do you pay him? I said, yeah. I said, how much do you pay him? He said, I pay him $1,000 a day to worry for me. I said, how do you afford that? He said, that's for him to worry about. (laughs) It's a silly joke. But I'm here to tell you, when we get into the secret place, we cast all of our burdens onto Jesus because he cares for us. And then we don't stress, we don't worry. You know, I've got friends that volunteer at the Healing Rooms Ministry. 
They said like 80% of sicknesses come from worry, from stress, the battlefield of the mind. We've got to learn to reject the lies of the devil and reject the worry and the fear and the stress of the world and rise up above the turbulence and rise up to the top of the mountain. Let's look at this verse in Galatians 6, verse 7 to 10. It says, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the household of faith. And, you know, I spoke to Pastor Darren this week. said, how's it going in the new building? He goes, oh, mate, we're tired. <laughs> We've been setting up this and crawling through ceilings and doing cables. And, and, like, I've got lots of friends who are pastors who've had building projects before, and I just know the price you've got to pay to, to get into a place like this, you know. I want to challenge you. Firstly, pray for your leaders in this church. To set up a place like this, I know there's still a bit more to go. It's a lot of work, a lot of, a lot of hard work goes into it. Pray for your leaders. And for those of you who might feel like you're a bit exhausted, never grow tired in doing what is good. For at the proper time, you'll reap a harvest. The Apostle Paul was telling this to the church in Galatia. He was saying, I know you're doing a lot of hard work. Don't give up. There's a cartoon I love where there's a guy who's digging in, in a, a diamond mine and he's digging and digging and digging. And on the other side, like there's a th- this thin bit of dirt and on the other side is the diamonds. And he's so close and he's digging and digging and digging and he gets tired and he walks off when the diamonds were just on the other side. Some of you here today, you're tired because... 2021 has been a big year for you and you've been digging and digging and digging and digging and you feel like giving up. I'm here to tell you, never grow tired in doing good. For at the proper time, you'll reap a harvest. You'll break through that dirt and you'll get to the diamonds. It's just on the other side. Don't give up. C.S. Lewis put it like this. You're never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream. Some of you think, oh, I'm past my use-by date. I'll leave it up to the young whippersnippers to get into ministry. I'll leave it up to the young whippersnippers to run a home group or to care for the homeless or to do outreach or work in a school as a chaplain or whatever. You know. Some of you think you're past your use-by date. Let me tell you, you're never too old to set another goal or dream a new dream. Some of the best volunteers at our soup kitchen are over 70. Retired pastors, retired pilots, retired this, retired that. And they didn't want to retire they wanted to refire in their latter years they wanted to make sure that they go out with a bang and i know they've got plenty of years left in them amen but i'm telling you these guys and i'm so blessed you know to have these godly mature men and women of god who've got time on their hands to serve the poor and the homeless some of you here today you might be thinking yeah i've been camping a bit lately what's your calling don't bury your talent. Don't hide what God's called you to do. You know the parable of the talents, the story where there's the manager that gave five talents to one, two to another, and one 
to the third. We acted this out at our soup kitchen recently. I like to act out Bible stories sometimes. And we had up three people and the manager gave them five, two and one. And what happened? The manager went away and came back to see if there was a return on investment. The guy with the five talent, what happened? He doubled it, didn't he? The guy with the two talents, he doubled it as well, didn't he? What happened to the guy with the third talent? He had the one. He buried it because he misunderstood the boss. A lot of people misunderstand God and misunderstand the gift that they've been given. Talent is a financial term if you look at it in the Bible, but I also believe it's our calling, our gifting, our opportunity to share the gospel with people. We've all been given, some have been given five, some have been given two, some have been given one. And I said to everyone at our soup kitchen, these guys that have had a, a rough life, I said, the Bible says that the guy with the one talent, he buried it. And when he came back, the master said, away from me, you evildoer, go to a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. I said to the guys at the soup kitchen, where do you think that is? And one guy yells out, Centrelink. <laughs> Theologically, I can maybe see that. <laughs> um, it's talking about hell, isn't it? I hope that no one in this church buries their talent and hides their gifting, hides their calling, runs away from it, quits. I hope that no one in this church even camps and just settles for being average and lukewarm. We know what the Bible says in the book of Revelation about being lukewarm. We've got to be hot or we're cold, amen? I'd rather you're hot or cold, it says, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. God's very clear on that to the church. We've got to make sure that we are climbing, that we are investing our talents, bringing a return. So we'll hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Smith Wigglesworth was a plumber until he was 50 in his 50s. Before he got serious about pursuing God's call for his life. Who's heard of Smith Wigglesworth before? The Apostle of Faith, a great man of God. He went on to become one of the most influential preachers of his generation. Don't ever believe the lie that it's too late to pursue your calling. If you're alive, there is still time. 1 Timothy 4, 13-16. The Apostle Paul writes to Timothy and he says, Until I come... Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Then he says these words. He says, do not neglect your gift. It was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders lay their hands on you. He says, be diligent. Everyone say diligent. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, You'll save both yourself and your hearers. the end of the service today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive some prayer. And I'd love to lay hands on you and pray for you and commission you to go and fulfill your calling. Just like the Apostle Paul laid hands on Timothy. And he said, don't neglect your gift. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them. My heart today at the end of this message is for you to feel inspired, to rise up to the top of the mountain, to rise up and give yourself wholly and diligently to the calling on your life, to fulfill your destiny. When I first got saved at the age of 15, one of the verses the Lord gave me was Jeremiah 29, 11. And our church, New Hope, is named after that verse. Uh, I was in a Wesleyan Methodist church at the time. I had no idea that the New Hope movement existed. And here I am. 
all these years later with a church named New Hope after that verse that God spoke to me about. Who knows the verse? Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. To give you a hope and a future. A lot of people stop there. The next bit's even better. It says, then you will call upon me and find me when you seek me with some of your heart. Oh, sorry, did I get that wrong? You'll call upon me and find me when you seek me with 75% of your heart. Doesn't say that, does it? You'll call upon me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Friends, I want to challenge you today. You're seeking him with all of your heart. Are you getting into the secret place? Are you waiting on the Lord and rising up on wings like eagles? You know, when eagles fly, they just stretch their arms out. They flap a little bit, but they get in the wind and the wind picks them up. It's like the wind of the Holy Spirit. All we've got to do is worship. Wait on the Lord and the wind of the Spirit will pick us up and rise us up to the top of that mountain. I felt the Lord say to me earlier this year that your public ministry must flow out of your private prayer life. Because if I'm just doing the public ministry without a private prayer life, I'm a hypocrite. I'm a fake. Aussies can spot a fake a mile away, let me tell you. (laughs) Are you intimate with Jesus in the secret place? Are you praying every day? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Are you worshipping? The lower you get every morning, the higher you'll rise up the mountain. That's a good word right there. Hang on, let me just encourage myself. That's a good word right there, Pastor. Sometimes you've got to encourage yourself if no one else does. <laughs> let me say it again and see if I can get an appropriate response. The lower you get every morning in the secret place, the higher you'll rise up. Come on, yeah. <laughs> I got that revelation earlier this year. And let me tell you, I wouldn't want to miss out on my secret place time every day. It's like the famous piano player. He would travel the world and perform great concerts. And people would ask him, what's the secret to success? And he said, doing my practice every day, my scales. He said, if one day goes by that I don't do my scales, I'll notice it when I perform at night. He said, if two days goes by that I haven't practiced my scales, if two days goes by, I'll notice it and my coach will notice it because they'll just notice I'm a little bit off. He said, if three days goes by that I haven't done my scales, I'll notice it, my coach will notice it and the audience will be able to tell. Same thing with us. One day goes by and we're not in the secret place, we might notice it. It might be a bit dry, might be a bit rough with your spouse or with your kids or at work, you know, it might be a little bit flat. Two days goes by, others will notice it. Three days goes by without being in the secret place, everyone will be able to tell. It is the heartbeat of every believer to get on our knees, get in the secret place, get in the Word. Ask the Lord to speak to you every day. Get filled up in the morning and let it flow out through the rest of the day. Now, I know over Christmas holidays, it can be difficult to find time to get in the secret place because you've got kids and relatives and meals and parties and this and that, you know. 
I want to challenge you to be disciplined in the secret place. Go into your room, close your door, and seek the Lord, and He will reward you. One of my best employees at New Hope is a guy named Eddie. Eddie was a drug addict, a drug dealer, sleeping on different people's couches, you know, couch surfing, about 10 years ago. And his mum listens to Vision Radio. And she rang me up one day. She goes, Pastor Matt, my son's in all sorts of trouble. Can you have a coffee with him? I said, yeah, sure. So we went and met with him and he started telling me all this stuff going on in his life and he was like all over the shop. You know, you could tell he was an ice addict. He was all over the shop. And he said to me, Matt, I've got a question for you. He said, I keep seeing the numbers 316 everywhere. On number plates, the time, phone numbers, wherever I turn, I see the number. What does that mean? I'm like, hello, thank you, Jesus. For an evangelist, that's like a gift right there, you know. It's like Fisher jumping into the boat. It's like, hallelujah. I said to him, well, there's a famous Bible verse, John 3:16. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. I said, Eddie, I believe God is speaking to you, trying to get your attention. Do you want to give your life to Jesus? He goes, oh, I'm not sure. Still, I, I, I still need more proof. I'm like, what? I said, all right, well, maybe you should come to church on Sunday. I gave him a card, invited him to church. He goes, all right, yeah, I'll come on Sunday. I said, all right, I've got to pick my kids up for school. I've got to go. We picked up our phones, and guess what time it was? 3.16. Anyway, he came on Sunday, ran to the altar, gave his heart to Jesus. Glory to God. Got rid of all the drugs, got his life together, got employed by a Christian real estate agent in our church who mentored him and, and discipled him, fell in love with one of the girls on the worship team. They're now married with a couple of kids. And last year, when the director of New Hope Care uh, quit because he, he worked for another church and his church was going so well he had to leave us, you know, good problem to have. I was praying, I was saying, Lord, I really need someone really well organised to help me <laughs> behind the scenes for New Hope Care, our charity, you know. And out of the blue, I got a message from Eddie saying, Matt, I'm working at LJ Hooker at this real estate agent at the moment and I just feel like I'm not using my gifts for God's glory. I feel like I'm a bit lukewarm. Can we have a coffee? I'm like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so several months ago, we employed Eddie three days a week as our director for New Hope Care. And all the stuff you saw on the screen before, he makes it all happen. <laughs> I just, I'm just the pastor. I just turn up and do the preaching bit, you know. He's, the, he's the, the brains behind the outfit. And, you know, he said to me the other day, he said, Pastor Matt, I'm so glad you invited me to come on, on staff. He said, because I was cruising, but now I'm climbing. I'm, I'm fulfilling my calling, my destiny. And, you know, hopefully we'll have him on full time one day. And, you know, he's, he's got a wife and kids, mouths to feed and everything. But you know what? This is, this is our vision, to see people saved, healed, delivered, baptized, discipled, trained up and released so they can save others, see them healed, see them delivered, you know. This is, this is the way the kingdom works. I'm going to ask you today, where are you on that continuum? Are you saved? 
Have you asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? In just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and be born again. If that's you, I'm going to pray with you in just a moment. Maybe you're in a place where you're saved, but you really don't know your calling. You don't know what God's called you to do. I'd love to pray for you today and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what you're meant to do so you can rise up. Maybe you're in a place where you know what God's called you to do, but you're camping. You're sitting on the fence. You're cruising. And you know God's got more for you. I want to challenge you today to rise up to that next level that God's called you to do. And how do you do it? In the secret place. The secrets of the secret place. When we, when we get into the secret place, He whispers to us. He speaks to us. He gives us visions. He gives us dreams. You know, my wife and I have been praying for our family to be saved all year. For 18 years of marriage we've been doing it, but all year we've been intentionally praying for our family. In the last four months, we've seen seven family members come to know Jesus. Give God glory for that. Incredible, incredible fruit in my family. I've never seen uh, you know, family members come to Christ like that in the last few months. I'm believing this is the season for the prodigals to come home. Get in, get in the secret place. Get on your knees. Seek him with all your heart. And let's believe for a great harvest. Amen. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for every single person here today and everyone watching online. I just pray, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to come and move in people's hearts today. God, we don't want to be quitters. We don't want to be campers. We want to be climbers, to rise up, to be all that you've called us to be. And Father, I pray that you'll come and move in people's hearts right now. I've got two questions to ask before we close the service. Firstly, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sins? In just a moment, we're going to pray a prayer called the sinner's prayer where you can ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and you can be saved. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and is risen from the dead, then you will be saved. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if today you want to pray that prayer with me and give your life to Jesus, I just want you to put your hand up real high. Get on your buddy, that's great. Anybody else that says, yep, today's the day for me. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Maybe you're unsure about whether your sins are forgiven and you want to come back to him today. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand real high. Is there anybody else here today? You want to get your life right with Jesus. Let's all pray this prayer together. Dear God in heaven, Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. Please forgive me of my sins. I turn from my sinful ways and I surrender my life to you. Please fill me with the Holy Spirit and deliver me in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you if you prayed that prayer today. I believe that that's the first step in following Jesus. We'd love to give you maybe one of these devotionals from Vision Radio or there's some Bibles and things we can give you here. Come and see us as we close the service in just a moment. We're going to close with some worship in just a moment. But before that, I'd also like to invite you, if you need some prayer today, maybe you need healing in your body, maybe you're feeling dry and you just need a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been camping and you're feeling that nudge to rise up to the next level and you'd love me to pray for you today. I'd love to lay hands on you and pray for the Holy Spirit to work in your life today. That's you. We'd love to pray for you as we close the service. Thank you, Darren. Thanks, Pastor.